Amen, amen. Hey, if you would, grab a seat and uh, grab a Bible and get to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you're going to find one in a seat somewhere in front of you. Grab that. If you don't own a Bible, leave with that. That's our gift to you, Luke chapter 2. Um, hey, this, this time of year, uh, we sing a lot about joy. We did it to start today. Uh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Good tidings of comfort and joy. Uh, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And so uh, there is this theme of joy that is common for us to sing about at, at, at the Christmas time. We, we almost do it probably unthinkingly now. We, we take part in the songs, and, and maybe if you're like me, I, I know what I'm singing in my head, but it might not grab my heart like it once did. Or, or we decorate with the word joy. Uh, we walk into houses, we see these three letters on a mantle, you drive, a lot, drive around and look at Christmas, lights and uh, you see the word joy lit up in a front yard. Joy is one of these prevailing themes of the Advent season. And now I realize in this room here, uh, most of us can probably draw a straight line to why we talk about joy and what it has to do with the birth of Christ. But, but we have said throughout this Advent series, with the themes we've been tackling, hope and peace and love and joy, that we're trying to get kind of beneath just a, a, a surfacey or general understanding at how the birth of Christ informs each of these. And so because Jesus was born, there, our hope should abound. Because Jesus was born, there's a peace that can settle in our soul. Because Christ was born, it should inform the way we love. And because Christ was born, it should infuse those who are followers of him with abundant joy. Um, and now, on Friday night at the Christmas Eve service, we're going to walk through all of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Today, I really want to zoom in on one particular scene. It's my, my favorite scene in all of the Christmas story. And it's this, this birth announcement that the angel gives to shepherds in a field at night. And uh, it's in this announcement that we find something that I, I find very interesting of what he prefaces the announcement of the birth of Christ with. And we're going to look at that. But before we look at that, I just want to say on this, this, this topic of joy, I believe joy is the greatest opportunity we have as believers to show the watching world what it looks like to walk with Christ. Who's with me on that? Man, like, should we not be the most joyful people walking around this, 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 this ball of a thing we call the planet? Right? And, and now I'm not saying that that means all of our personalities have to look right. Like some of us have different personalities and joy gets lived out and expressed in different ways. But joy should be a prevailing theme for the Christian and I want us to see how the Christmas story informs that. Now, uh, before we jump into a conversation around joy, we should probably define what we're talking about. So we don't kind of have assumptions of what I mean when I talk about joy. A few years ago, we preached through the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians brings up this, this theme of gospel joy regularly. So we defined what we mean, what we believe the Bible teaches about joy, and we defined it like this. Joy is an enduring, non-circumstantial delight. So biblically... Joy in the Lord, it means it endures. It endures through the highs and the lows of life. It's non-circumstantial. Our joy doesn't have to wax and wane with, with the highs and lows, with the peaks and valleys of life. This is, it's this enduring, non-circumstantial delight 
because we're delighting in a ever-present rock. We're delighting in something that is unchanging. We're delighting in someone who is unchanging. And this informs the joy of the Jesus follower. So today, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what the big idea of the sermon is, what the sermon's all about. My hope is you're going to read this, you're going to understand it, and then I'm going to put it on the screen at the end of the sermon. I pray, if, if, you know, if God would be pleased with this, I pray that between the first time we read it, the beginning of the sermon, to the last time we read it at the end, there's something worshipful, there's some worship-deepening reality that God does as we unpack this. But today's sermon is, is just purely simply about this, that to know Christ is to know joy. To know Christ is to know joy. And again, I'll just, like, I'll call it out. I know that can feel trite. I know that can be something you show up at church to be like, I expect a preacher to say that. My hope is by the end of the sermon, as we navigate this, as we dive deeply into it, that God stirs our hearts to really, yes, to know Jesus is to know all the joy I need for a lifetime. God, help us to that end. Use your word. We're not here for any other thoughts but what your word says. God, feed us with your word. Stir our affections through your word. Let your spirit do a great work in our hearts as your word goes forth. Be glorified in the proclamation of your word. Prepare our hearts for another Christmas so we worship our way through it, through what your word says today. Feed us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to pick it up in verse 8. Jesus has been born. He's laid in a manger in Bethlehem. We have this announcement, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And then the verse, uh, verse 9 ends with this. And they were filled with what? They were filled with great fear. You think, right? I mean, imagine being these guys. You're, you're out in the middle of a dark field. Like, you know, if you want to try this out, go find the middle of a dark field tonight. You know, feel the emotions of what that feels like. Now imagine you got a bunch of sheep out there like sitting ducks and it's your job to protect them from vicious animals with really sharp teeth and mean tempers who want to eat them. And so if we can just kind of imagine, right, we, we read those lines and we know them as just part of the Christmas story, but if we can imagine for a moment what it's like to be a shepherd sitting in a dark field, knowing your job is to protect your sheep from vicious animals looking to eat them, like you can imagine some of the edge you might sit in that field with. Uh, we live uh, surrounded by fields, and uh, most Wednesday nights, late after dark, I'll, I'll drag two garbage cans down the driveway and there's some summer nights, you hear the coyotes howling in the field across the street. And I'll be honest with you, I have imagined in my head how I would position the garbage cans <laughs> should they choose to turn their attention on me. Like, when, when, when we read this, you have shepherds out in a dark field watching their sheep, and then verse 9 explodes on the scene, and it says, all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't know about you, but as, but as much as when I read the word, I try to imagine, I try to see what's going on, that's a hard thing for me to even picture what that would have looked like. You with me? And so, boom, angel, glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says, and they are filled with great fear. 
Now, the angel has a word for them, verse 10, an announcement. And the angel said to them, what's his first two words? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So that's how he prefaces the announcement. Then he gives the announcement. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, so again, we, we hear this, and, and we're familiar with this announcement of the angel. We know where the Christmas story goes from here, but, it, but if we can put ourselves in the shoes of these shepherds who have just had their, their quiet night punctuated by an angelic visitation and the glory of the Lord, and this angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then he tells them what the good news of great joy for all the people is. He says, for unto you is born this day where, what's it say? In the city of David. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. Who? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Right, so we, we read this thousands of years later and we're like, yeah, man, this awesome, I know what it's talking about. The shepherds are standing there and when we have to understand, one minute, they're, they're sitting in a quiet field watching sheep and the next minute, they get the announcement that the Micah 5 moment is happening. The Micah 5 moment is happening. We looked at Micah 5 a few weeks back, that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the shepherd king who would come and shepherd and lead his people. This is happening in their midst. And you have to understand the way Luke announces the coming of this Micah 5 moment. How he describes the one who was born in the city of David. He says, a savior who is Christ the Lord. You have this, this triple messianic title in which Luke unpacks the birth of this one named Jesus laid in a manger in Bethlehem. What's the significance of that? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, where the word Savior appears in the Bible, it often is referring to uh, someone who's going to rescue from danger, someone who rescues from an adversary or an enemy. And so if you, you think about the history of the people of Israel, you come to a, a book of the Bible like the book of Judges. Uh, again and again in this cycle, God's people get themselves into trouble. They rebel against the Lord. They're judged for that. And the Lord raises up a judge, a judge to lead God's people away from the adversary, away from the danger, and back to the Lord. These judges kind of serve as this lowercase s savior. Luke says, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. But then he gets more specific with who he's talking about. This isn't just a lowercase s savior. This is the savior. And we know that because of the word Christ. So when, when you hear the, the name Jesus Christ, Christ isn't a last name. Christ is a title. Jesus is the Christ. When we, when we hear the word Christ, we have to think this is the title given to the Messiah who's going to descend from the line of David. 
The, the one who is going to sit on the throne of David forever and ever and ever and ever. And so you have this Savior who is Christ, and he's, and he's what? What's that third one? He's Lord. The title Lord speaks to sovereignty and divinity. And so the, the angel comes and he says, shepherds in the city of David, the Savior Christ Lord has come. The Savior Christ Lord, the one who will deliver you from your adversaries, the one who will deliver you from danger, the one who is the Messiah we've been waiting for from the line of David, the one who is sovereign and divine, God taking on flesh and dwelling among us. So th this is the announcement that the shepherd brings. But if you look back at how he prefaces this announcement of the birth of this one, he says in verse 10, fear not for behold, I bring you, help me out, I bring you. Is this good news? That the Savior Christ Lord has come? This is good news. And it's good news of what? Of great joy. It is good news of great joy for all people that the Savior Christ Lord has come into the world. Why is that such good news? Why is that such good news? Let's, let's not grow too familiar with the gospel that we lose the joy of what that means. Because, y'all, we were alienated and separated from a holy God because of our sin. In our alienation and separation, God says that the penalty for our sin is death. God loved us so much, he sent his only son into the world, 100% man, 100% God. He lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He died the death on the cross that you and I deserve to die. He was laid in a tomb. Three days later, he rose victorious over sin and death. And now he invites us to himself by faith to be saved, to have salvation, to be remedied, to be brought back in a right relationship with a holy God. This is good news that brings joy. Now, how does this bring joy? Let's talk about that. This joy that I'm talking about that is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, this joy is personal in its impact and global in its reach. And we see both of these things in this announcement from the angel. How this joy given to us by Jesus, who he is and the work he has accomplished, it is personal in its impact. For those of you in the room, who know Jesus Christ as your Savior and know the joy that comes from that, let me hear you. Amen? It's personal in its impact. And y'all, I'll say it again. I'm not saying that means we just skip through every day and that nothing hard ever happens, that we don't cry, that we don't have some bad days, that we're not irritable. Anyone irritable in the room from time to time? But through all of that, there is a pervasive joy personal, its impact, it's global in its reach. I want us to see both of those things. Let's talk about how the joy offered to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ is deeply personal. Look at what he says. Look at what the angel says in verse 11. And right, if you've grown up in church, you've heard this story again and again and again. You've read this again and again and again. 
But I've often read over the first three words of verse 11. First three words of verse 11 say what? Front to, front to who? Front to, front to you. And so uh, verse 10 had just ended, you know, good news, a great joy for all the people. And then directed by God, the angel could have said anything, but he says, he's addressing the shepherds and he says, for unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior Christ, Lord. For unto you, shepherds, that we have a God who has come down and drawn near to us, who invites us personally to himself by faith. And this is a true offer for every single person in the room, regardless of where you have been and what you have done, of how you have descended, whether culture would call you I have or I have not, it's, it's true that this Savior Christ Lord desires to be a personal Savior Christ Lord. For unto you is born this day, shepherd. For unto you has been born God who took on flesh, lived your perfect life in your stead, died your death on your behalf, rose victorious, and now invites you to himself in faith. So what happens when we respond in faith to this message? How does this inform our joy? Well, when the Holy Spirit works in a heart, and we finally see our sin. For me, 19 years old, I saw my sin. God in his grace showed it, revealed it. I saw that apart from a savior, I was alienated from God, deserving his judgment. God works in our heart. He draws us to himself in faith. We, we are justified the moment we believe. It means we're declared righteous in the sight of a holy God. Hold on, now just stop. Worship through that. Don't let your doctrine to become dry. Worship through that. In the sight of a holy God, the work of Jesus Christ justifies us, declares us righteous the moment we believe. When a human heart is justified in the presence of God, when we come to an understanding that I was once alienated and destined for God's judgment, and I am now robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, justified before a holy God, joy. You with me? Come on, joy, joy. Let that stir our joy bucket a little bit this morning. But, but not just a justification. Joy is not just offered to us the moment we believe in Jesus Christ. The moment we believe in him, the spirit of God indwells the believer. Are you kidding me? How good is this? The, the, the spirit of God in the heart of a believer produces fruit, bears fruit, of which is love and joy. Hold on, it gets better. 
So we're justified in the presence of God, joy at our salvation. We're given the Spirit of God producing joy that's flowing out of us. Jesus, in John 15, he's, he's teaching on the, you know, the, the, the vine and the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He gets to the end of this teaching and he says, I say these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So we get, we are invited into an abiding walk with Jesus in which his joy is infusing us, filling up our joy. Hold on, it gets better. <laughs> this kind of joy has persevering power through pain and trial. Amen. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. How? Because the joy, this enduring, non-circumstantial, delighting in the Lord, it has persevering power in pain and trial. As men. So yes, the tears will come. And yes, there'll be moments of weakness where we complain a bit about the circumstances. And yes, we can still lay our head on the pillow at night and joy abound. This kind of joy leads to glad sacrifice for the glory of God and the good of others. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. Does that make any sense to your human mind? Like when we, when we get to the Good Friday and we, we look at the crucifixion and we see the horror of it all, and then you read the book of Hebrews and it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's this kind of joy that leads to glad sacrifice for the glory of God and the good of others. And then when we as followers of Jesus get to follow him in the way of the cross, it's joy that fills us and moves us to sacrifice for the glory of God and the good of others. This kind of joy we're talking about that is found in Jesus is most enjoyed in the context of community together. Are you with me? This is why we gather and we worship. This is why we gather and we sing his praises. This is why we gather and we sit under his word. Because we're enjoying him together. Our joy is made more full in the context of community. This is why we sacrifice to sit in circles in discipleship groups and living rooms. Because there's a joy that abounds in enjoying him together. This is the joy he's offered us. And so when the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy, shepherds, this is a deeply personal joy. You with me? So this joy is personal in its impact, and yet it's global in its reach. Look back in your Bible, verse 10. Angel said, fear not, behold, bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for who? Say it again. That'll be for all people. Y'all, heaven one day when we're in the presence of God perfectly, not marred by sin, and we're worshiping him in the context of every tribe and every tongue and every language. I mean, I remember 19 years old, first time I was in, uh, on the continent of Africa, show up, we come into a place, first thing we did was a time of worship. And there we are, bunch of, bunch of central Indiana boys, worshiping with our African brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you, I, I wish I would say I was mature enough at that time to read, but I'm telling you, the Lord in that moment by the power of his spirit just blew my mind. And I went, oh my goodness, my God is not an American God. <laughs> Heaven one day? Come on. It's going to be awesome. The joy of that? When we read that a Savior was born in the town of Bethlehem and he's in a manger as a, as, a, as a baby and that this one would live the perfect life, die the, sin, die the death of sinners, and that life, death, resurrection can be applied to anyone cross-continental, cross-cultural, if they will respond in faith. I, I, <laughs> Y'all, this is why we come to the end of a season as a church sitting in central Indiana and we do something like To All Nations. The giving initiative where every single dollar over and above our regular giving this month is going right out the door. More disciples in India to the glory of God. Come on. More disciples in Germany and across the continent of Europe. Y'all, listen, it's de dead over there. But our God's not dead. Gospel going forth there. More money to plant more church. You want to know some of the greatest stories that we get are the people getting saved through Doxa Bible Church just up the road. I don't, God in his wisdom often will use new church plants to lead new people to salvation in him. It's amazing. So we're not, we're not just doing this because, oh, year-end's coming and we got to get some giving in. No, no, no. The Christmas story is to fuel missions. The Christmas story should fuel missions. Often we think of the parts of Jesus' life that fuel missions as solely the cross and resurrection. And yes, the message of the cross and resurrection has to go across the continents, but we, have to, we, we can't miss the holistic picture of it. There was one, a Savior Christ Lord, born, laid in a manger, and he is to be the Savior Christ Lord of all people. And those of us who know that and know him are to give and go and sacrifice in light of the Christmas story to get that message out there. So the Christmas story fuels missions because he's the Savior Christ Lord we know personally and that we desire every tribe and every tongue and every language and every people group to know as well. To know Christ is to know joy. You with me? So let's apply that. I want to apply it to a couple of different people in the room. After, uh, after first service, it was so sweet. Um, 
just someone in here, you know, someone wrestling with, am I going to believe in Jesus? Am I going to trust Jesus? And I know there's some in this service as well that are wrestling with that very same thing. I mean, you hear a preacher standing on a stage talking about to know Jesus is to know joy. But that's only true if you really know him. And I think, I think, you know, I'll just speak to our culture, kind of our cultural context. <clears throat> I think we've grown so comfortable with just fuzzy, vague understandings of Jesus-y things. I think some of you, even if you've grown up in church context, we've grown satisfied with just knowledge of Jesus. It's about more than fuzzy, vague understanding of Jesus-y things, and it's about more than a head knowledge of Jesus. He wants your heart. He's after your heart. And he's after your heart, get this, he is such a good father. He's after your heart for his greatest glory and for your greatest joy. Those two aren't mutually exclusive. Right, I was reading John Piper's Desiring God as a college student where I went, oh my goodness, my joy and God's glory can intersect. Right, like growing up right in the church where you feel like, man, everything about God is just anti my joy. That ain't the gospel. Everything about our God is for your greatest joy as you seek his greatest glory. And some of you in the room, he's inviting you to himself today. No more fuzzy, vague understanding of Jesus, see churchy things. No more uh, being okay with just head knowledge. Have you bowed your knee to him as the Lord of your life? He came born as a Savior Christ Lord. Is he the Savior Christ Lord of your heart? And have you come to a place in your life? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called? Have you bowed your knee and said, Jesus, I see my sin. I see it separated me from you. I see you've come to save me from it. I give you my life today. I believe in you. All of my life in your hands, Jesus, you are Lord. I am not. Have you come to that place? That's the application for you if you walked in here not a follower of Jesus. May today be the day you become a follower. And yet I know many of us walked in here following him. How does today inform our joy? When we come in here across the spectrum of what just happened this week. We come in here across the spectrum of what we have looking out at the week ahead. My prayer for us is that we would simply throttle back right now. Let the Spirit of God ignite our hearts in worship over this simple reality. If I have Jesus, I have all the joy that I possibly need. Even when I don't feel like it, because my joy isn't ultimately rooted in my emotions and emotions, it's rooted in the finished work of what Christ has done. Even when bad things happen, my joy is not found in the ebbing and flowing of circumstances. It is found in the finished person and work of Jesus Christ. Even in highs, even in great things. I mean, right for us, Christmas Day is coming, December 26th. I'm getting the family up at four in the morning, and we're going to hop in a minivan and drive to Florida. I'm excited for that. 
But even in the highs, guess what? At some point on this vacation, I will be disappointed. You with me? At some point on Christmas Day, you will be disappointed. Let that be God's gracious reminder that your ultimate joy is not found in any of that. It's found in the finished work and person of Jesus Christ. So we get a chance right now, communion. Grab the elements and get them ready if you would. Uh, We get a chance right now. A few days before our Christmas celebrations to remember that the coming of this newborn king laid in a manger, the Savior Christ Lord, was the coming of perfect God in flesh on a rescue mission. He would be born in Bethlehem and roughly 33 years later would be led to a place called Golgotha to shed his blood for our sin. And just in a moment as we gather as a church family right here, just in this moment right here, we get an opportunity to remember the holistic rescue mission that our Savior Christ Lord has come on. Communion is a time that the Word of God instructs us to set aside, to remember His sacrifice on our behalf. The Bible instructs us that this is a time for those whom the blood of Jesus has been applied to, meaning you have responded in faith, you have believed in Jesus. And the Bible says this is such an important time of worship, it gives us some guidance on how we're to enter this time. It says don't come into this time lightly, but examine yourselves. Let the good and convicting work of the Holy Spirit work on our hearts in these moments. Let's get our eyes on the cross. Let's remember what our sin has cost our Savior. Let's examine ourselves. So a few minutes to that end. Take him just between you and the Lord, and I'll be back to lead us through the taking of the